You're listening to The Outfield with Eddie Robinson on Sirius XM OutQ. You're listening to The Outfield, the first ever sports talk radio show for the LGBT community. I'm your host, Eddie Robinson, 866-305-6887. Going to spit out a few names for you here. Daniel Murphy of the Mets. Josh Robinson of the Minnesota Vikings. Last year's Masters champion, Bubba Watson. NFL's Adrian Peterson. NBA's Amari Stoudemire. Many of these players and athletes have something in common. They've stated their opinions clearly, openly, and honestly about how they really feel about gay people. From being gay as a sin to comparing the LGBT community to pedophiles and incest. Their comments, their mindsets, their ideologies could be one of the many reasons why so many pro players, college coaches, company executives, even sports fans at the workplace continue to remain in the shadows. Another interesting commonality among these players and athletes, they were all born in the South. While the public as a whole is increasingly embracing LGBT civil rights and equal protections under the law, many are still uncomfortable with having LGBT people in their families or in the communities where they live. Or if they're an athlete, they may accept the player, but still think that they're second class, according to what the Bible says. And while according to a number of studies and academic research, Southerners feel even more discomfort than any other region of the country. Why is that? And how does religion play into all this? Well, joining us here on SiriusXM's The Outfield to help us sort out these questions and for more insight and perspective is Ross Murray. He's GLAD's Programs Director for the entire globe with a special focus on the southern states of America. Ross, thank you so much for playing on the outfield on a Sunday. That's great. Thanks for letting me be with you. Briefly, Ross, tell our listeners your role with GLAD. What's your function with the organization? So I'm a Program Director at GLAD, and I've got some specific areas that I focus on. Uh, One is global work, international work. The other is focused on the U.S. South. Uh, and specifically um, kind of the cultural LGBT acceptance, trying to move that needle forward across the South. My background work is in religion and understanding how much the South and religion are all tied up with each other is a good, very good use of kind of that knowledge that I have about how religion works, especially Christianity and how it impacts culture. Um, And then I've been doing things for GLAD with news, um, sports, what's been happening in local communities, statewide things. So try to keep my eye on what's going on in the in the national news, and especially as it applies to the U.S. South and international things. And that's primarily why I wanted you to come on the show, Ross. I didn't want an athlete ally rep or a you can play rep or someone from the Outsports website on. I really wanted someone who can speak in terms of what the overall gay and lesbian community is doing as far as outreach goes. From a sports-related standpoint, though, when it comes to religion being somehow knowingly or unknowingly intertwined with how some closeted players are choosing not to come out openly, particularly when those who speak up against openly gay players and athletes and coaches end up being from the South. Case in point, Adrian Peterson of the Minnesota Vikings. He was on Sirius XM's NFL Radio Channel 88, I'd say about two years ago saying he has gay relatives, he loves them very much, but being gay is just something that he doesn't believe in. 
Of course, all of this stemmed from that huge Chris Cluey drama where it's completely obvious that the team let him go because of his outspokenness on marriage equality, yet the threat of litigation from Cluey sparked a huge settlement at the end of the day with Minnesota actually providing more money to gay inclusion programs. And guess where Adrian Peterson was born and raised? Just outside of Houston, Texas. All right, another case. Josh Robinson, Vikings cornerback. As soon as the U.S. Supreme Court brought down its ruling on marriage equality, Josh Robinson rushed to Twitter and compares gay marriage to pedophilia and incest. Guess where Josh Robinson is from? Born and raised in Florida, just outside of Miami. Not sure what his religion is, but, I mean, he's coming from a southern state. And so what's so disconcerting about his comment is that Wade Davis, who's the executive director of the You Can Play Project, he was just out there with the Vikings giving alleged inclusion training and talks associated with the acceptance of gays on the playing field. So apparently Wade's talk didn't catch on quite hard enough. Another case in point, Ross, Daniel Murphy, a New York Mets third and second baseman. He's a devout Christian, and earlier this year, he made a comment about gay people saying that he 110% disagrees with the lifestyle of a person who's gay. Just an offensive statement any way you look at it. And guess where Daniel Murphy is from? Jacksonville, Florida. Once again, someone coming from the South. And yet, another disconcerting element to the story He said this to a reporter who was asking him his thoughts on Billy Bean's visit to the Mets dugout, who was there in a similar type of capacity as Wade Davis. Granted, you know, Daniel Murphy said it to a reporter who, thank God, no no pun intended with our religious notions here. Thank God the reporter decided to print the story. But unfortunately, the Mets organization put a gag order on Daniel Murphy, and now we'll never get to hear about his thoughts on gay people. So how do you explain or characterize any of this? Because it seems like the South is this hardcore, incredibly difficult, challenging region of the United States that just doesn't seem to want to move forward here when it comes to marriage equality. And yet the rest of the world appears as if it's evolving on the matter. Well, let me step back just a little bit, too, because I think I, I don't ever want to view either the South, and I especially don't want to be, view religion as a problem to be overcome. And I, and I say this, the examples that you threw out were excellent um, in terms of them talking about how much they personally identified with Christianity. Um, that's the same for me. Uh, I'm a very strong Christian, openly gay, and I have done the work of looking through scripture, praying, talking to others, and being able to find and realize, and realize that there's more and more people that also know this too, that there's not a contradiction between being Christian and being gay or being a supporter of the LGBT community. I think that's one thing that's been ingrained in our culture for a long time, that those two are in opposition to each other, but the fact is that's just not the case. Um, And what's been really great is seeing more and more people realize that. And progress happens in different ways in different communities. And so when we look at the South, um, it is a place where LGBT acceptance has um, lagged further behind than the rest of the country. There's a lot of cultural pillars that are going into um, what creates this identity, especially a Southern kind of identity. 
Um, and I think, and religion is definitely one of those. Sports is definitely one of those. Um, patriotism, military service are definitely those things. Country music are those things. These are things that actually Gladys recognized are cultural pillars. And if we're going to get to a point of acceptance, not just um, you know, by professional athletes, but by the culture as a whole, these are the areas in which we need to work. And so it's been um, being able to say, we do have people that still will tweet out or say things in opposition to LGBT people or in opposition to marriage equality, um, but we also are getting more and more allies that want to be really vocal as well. You started with the story of Chris Cluey. Um, I'm originally from Minnesota, um, and so uh, I, I think following the story of Chris Cluey and at the same time, Brendan Imbideo, who was in Baltimore at the time too, being really, really outspoken um, allies in, in a place where they probably were a minority, at least in, in being that outspoken. Um, but I think that sort of thing ends up, dub, dub, it does have a ripple effect. And I think that ripple effect is what can help um, affect and change others. And for folks that look up to them to say, oh my goodness, if this is someone, maybe this is someone who used to be really anti-gay, and then they got to know their friend or neighbor or coworker or someone, um, and they're not anymore, maybe that can help me examine what I know or what I think I know. Um, and by sitting down and listening to LGBT people, that can help change the conversation. Um, and I think it's really incumbent upon us who are you know, gay and Christian or LGBT and religious in, in whatever way to be really open and vocal about that. One of the things I really like, um, one of the things I, I, liked, I like about Michael Sam, um, and I know that he has struggled a lot in the NFL um, for as many barriers as he's broken, um, is that he also was very upfront about being Christian, about being open about that. And that's something that often got downplayed um, because people don't think those two things go together. But the reality is it does for so many of us. Yeah, Ross. But the Chris Cluey's, the Brendan Ayabadejo's, you know, they're pretty silent right now. Slowly but surely, we're seeing, you know, a few more allies speak up and speak out on gay rights and marriage equality. But with so much scrutiny right now and so many eyes monitoring Twitter, monitoring Instagram, monitoring players' Facebook pages, it's hard to get a coach. It's hard to get an athlete to talk about anything, much less a social topic. You know, these players tiptoe through the social topic tulips as gingerly as Fred Astaire. 866-305-6887. Folks, we're talking with Ross Murray. He's with GLAAD, and he's also the programs director for GLAAD for the global region with a very strong focus on the U.S. South and those southern states of America. 866-305-6887 if you'd like to join in on our conversation. I didn't want to have anyone from OutSports. I didn't want to have anyone from You Can Play. I didn't want to have anyone from Athlete Ally on. I wanted someone like a glad rep to talk about this because this conversation that we're having has to do with being gay, being a resident of the South and the impact of religion and how I believe that one of the main reasons we're still not seeing an openly gay male pro athlete, an openly gay male college coach. One of the reasons that I believe these people remain in the shadows is that there is a resounding, hardcore, conservative, anti-gay voice that's birthed from the South. And I believe that more needs to be done. More needs to be done on a broader scale as far as inclusion efforts in sports. And there needs to be more of a grassroots outreach to namely the black church, namely parts of the South where football is king where college sports is king, where these anti-gay mindsets 
predominantly reside. 866-305-6887. And Ross, I'd like to quickly share this story with you about a recent trip that I made with my family to a Southern black church in Georgia. Um, It was about 11 of us packed in this van heading to the church. And as I sat in the congregation, the pastor decided that he wanted to address the Supreme Court ruling and offer up this kind of position of the church, where the church stood with the ruling. And as he spoke, he started getting into the notion of the definition of marriage. You know, according to the Bible, it's between a man and a woman. He noted that people should look out for people who try to turn what's wrong into good, because according to the scripture, what people say is good is actually wrong and sometimes evil. Again, according to the scripture. And as I'm sitting there, I felt like I was at a Ku Klux Klan meeting. I mean, the level of hatred, the amening coming from the congregation, it was just so overwhelming. And um, I had to step out. You know, I had to get a breath of fresh air. And that's a huge step for me because I grew up in the church. I grew up down south in Mississippi, Southern Baptist. And for someone to actually walk out of service when the pastor is speaking, yeah, that's that's pretty intense. And so as I was outside, I reached out and called on my cell phone, my best friend, Peter, in Brooklyn. I left him a message and then I texted him back and apologized because I was, you know, kind of emotional. And I was like, I apologize for leaving such a random message on your voice, voice answering machine. Um, but his speech, that pastor's speech brought back up memories of me sitting on the edge of my bed back in 2003 in Bedford-Stuyvesant with a scalpel in my left hand looking at my wrist, just waiting and wondering when I should take the next move. And those emotions, those feelings started reappearing in my mind. And I just started panicking. I had a panic attack. But about 10 minutes or so, I stood back up and I walked back inside the church. And as soon as I walked in, Peter was uh, calling me back on the, on the cell phone. Um, and so we ended up just texting each other. And, and Peter is, is like sending me text messages back, begging me to just leave. And I'm like, I'm, I'm with my folks. I can't leave. You know, I'm in this van. Um, but I mean, it's ironic to think that when this ruling was brought down, President Obama was on the phone congratulating the man who ushered in this case to the Supreme Court. And then an hour later, President Obama is preparing to do a eulogy for one of the nine people killed in a hate crime inside the church. And where was the president giving this eulogy? Inside a facility that just doesn't accept gay people, the black church. So, Ross, I'll stop right there and ask if someone, anyone, should find themselves in a similar situation at a church or at some sort of religious environment where they must remain silent, these people may not have a Peter to call or a nearby church community that caters to gay people, the resources, and even strong LGBT support groups may not exist in these smaller towns or rural country areas. What are they to do? What can they turn to? Who can they turn to? Right. Oh, and I think it's, I, I think it's important to, to um, take a look. One, this is not specifically a black church problem. Um, it, it is a, it, is a problem that exists across our culture and within each of our churches. And the polling that's been done actually says that the levels of acceptance um, are roughly the same, and it more varies by denomination than by, say, race. Um, and one of the things that we've been doing at GLAD 
um, part of the Southern Stories program earlier this summer, we did a tour uh, across the South. We, we took a bus, we started in Nashville, and we ended in Atlanta, and it took eight days um, with several stops uh, along the way. And the thing that we wanted to do, we knew that it would not be helpful to have, you know, this big, giant bus filled with a bunch of people from New York City rolling across the South telling them how they need to do their business. Um, and I can't imagine that yeah, any black church wants to listen to me as this white northern guy right. tell them how they need to do their business as well. What The thing that creates that change is the stuff that comes from the inside. Um, they don't necessarily know who I am, and they don't necessarily have that trust for me. But when those relationships are formed, when they're built, um, that's where the trust happens. In a lot of these churches, and this is a phenomenon that's been written about quite a bit in, in black churches, is that off, even while they're doing this preaching, people there know that there's somebody that's gay in the congregation. There's probably somebody who's gay in the leadership of the congregation um, that's actively leading worship or doing a, a part. And people know that. Um, and it may not be something that they talk about, and probably it probably is something that they should, um, but they have that understanding about who their community is and taking care of their own. Now, I, I very much feel with the, the experience you had about having the church, you know, the pastor feel like he needs to say something about the Supreme Court and reiterate where the church is and say a bunch of, of horrible things. Um, in the church work that I've done in the past, um, what I have found is that in cases like that, where this has happened, and again, this is not necessarily just in black churches, this happens in a lot of churches, um, is that people feel like there's momentum and they want to go in the direction where there is momentum. Um, and if you've got the pastor who's up front and who's the leader and who's saying these things and everyone's amening and you don't agree with that because you've got a brother who came out several years ago and you absolutely love your brother and you know that he doesn't fulfill those stereotypes that are being talked about, it's hard to go against the grain. However, there have been instances where people do, where people step back, where people say something, they step up to that microphone and they share a story or a testimony. Um, and what happens in many cases, they may not, you know, they're not going to like turn the entire congregation over just because of their one little testimony they give, but they often get approached, often quietly by other people saying, you know what, I also have a gay relative. You know what, I also agree with you. You know, and, and that's where the, moment, the change starts to happen. And it happens from within. So when we do these, these Southern Stories tours, what we wanted to do is start to lift up the stories of LGBT people that are living in the South and not just surviving, but thriving. So that we can hear about the families that they are raising, the jobs that they are holding and trying to hold. Um, in the instance of Jackson, Mississippi, we did a screening of the documentary, The L Word, Mississippi. Um, it it, it um, received the Glad Media Award for Outstanding Documentary this last year, and we got to present the award to the director. We had a panel um, at a party with several of the, of the women that were featured in that film. And it's a good movie. It's a heartbreaking movie, and it's hard to watch. Um, but the panel was so great because a theme that shows up a lot in the movie is these women feel very isolated. Um, they're not connected to anyone else. Um, one's a pastor. She's been kicked out of her church. Someone else is struggling with their family. Someone else doesn't know how to come out to her mom. Um, when I did the panel with them, I said, I want to know what's happened to your lives since this movie. They, because of this film, started to get to know each other and started to form and build small town community centers in the cities where they live. And one group is running a church, one running a community center for transgender um, 
for transgender people, um, one one person is using their um, the house culture uh, that exists to help support programs that were happening in the community center. They all got connected, and then they started building that community. And because they've been together, they're stronger. Um, and it was really fascinating to see how we've done that. In fact, just today on Glad's blog, we're trying to do a bunch of follow-up to this this Southern Stories tour. And so we tell the story of the pastor who was in Elward, Mississippi, mm -hmm. and a little bit about what her life has been like, how she started a new church, and how she's connected this church to these other community centers. Um, and it's been just fascinating to see that in a place that you think there is nobody and no support, once people know each other exists, they start to build that community. And that's what we hope to facilitate, not to tell them what to do, because we know what's best for them, because they actually know how to build the best community for themselves. We're talking with Ross Murray, who's a global programs director with GLAAD, with a special focus on the South here in the United States. Ross is on our show to give us insight and perspective on what's happening on a broader scale as it relates to addressing sports, religion, and homophobia, particularly in the South. 866-305-6887. More on our conversation in just a moment. You're listening to SiriusXM's The Outfield on OutQ, Channel 106, I'm your host, Eddie Robinson. We'll be right back. Don't, don't, don't miss the, the outfield. outfield. Sundays, 11 a.m. East, 8 West on Sirius XM LQ. 